0: am not mad. am not mad. am mad.
1: I'm not mad. I'm not
2: welcome to Gatekeeper. A podcast about booking from the bookers and gatekeepers who decide who's in, who's out. Also, there's other stuff. And now your host of Gatekeeper, artistic director of the Hollywood Improv, Jamie Flam. Hello and welcome to Gatekeeper. My name is Jamie Flam. Coming to you live from the conference facility suite number 120 at 10100 Santa Monica Boulevard in the heart of Century City. That's right, a city named after the span of 100 years. Some of my favorite centuries include uh, the 19th century, the 20th century, the 21st century so far, and the 12th century. Well, it's a big conference room uh, looking down a very long table. This is really cool. The chairs have little wheels on the bottom. There's a big screen TV made by Sharp to my right, which I'm sure many great huge presentations have been done to sell TV shows and movies and whatnot. To my left, uh, just outside of the view of Andrew Stephen, is six pictures. There's a rhinoceros, black and white, all of them. Rhinoceros with a little birdie on top of his head. A polar bear. Looking right at (laughs) you. Down boy. (laughs) There is a leopard. I think that's a leopard. Little dots. Andrew's shaking his hand. Uh, It's licking its lips like it wants to eat you right now. Uh Uh-oh. Then bottom left. A tiger? No, lion. But it's like a a woman lion because it doesn't have the mane. On top of a mountain. I've never seen anything like it. In the middle, a gorilla. Looking uh, longingly into the distance. Perhaps it's just lost a loved one. Or maybe it's... Pondering the meaning of life or or what does it take to sell a damn TV show in the city, right? <laughs> and then finally, I believe a vulture, big black and white. Nope. It's a turkey, a wild turkey. No. What is it? We just got confirmation. It is a condor that I'm looking at right now. A condor known as the largest bird in the world. Cue condor sound effect. <laughs> Why am I here, you're asking? Because in just moments, I will be interviewing the legendary Barry Katz of Barry Katz Entertainment. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with Barry Katz, he's basically done everything and worked with everyone in the entire entertainment industry. And we're sitting in this conference room awaiting his arrival. Why not use this time to do an intro for this week's episode? That, my friends, is Productivity. Also, we're bored out of our minds. So this week's episode is going to be a little bit different than past. It's a roundtable discussion that first aired on my producer, Andrew Stevens, podcast, The CISO C Show, which is a weekly look into comedy through the lens of the CISO Network, which is sponsored this show. And so as part of this roundtable discussion, we had Andrew Stevens himself, the producer, the voice of The CISO C Show. Myself, Jamie Flam, the host of the Gatekeeper podcast you're currently listening to, Beth Appel, who is the artistic director of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles, and former Gatekeeper guest and show producer Troy Conrad. We all sat down at the Hollywood Improv a few weeks ago, and we talked about the things we love talking about in this podcast, what it takes to book a venue, how do you produce a great show, And it was a cool inside look into how different clubs, different theaters, different types of venues operate, and the things that make them vastly different, and of course the things that they share in common. So I hope you find it interesting, and we're going to cut to some sounds right now. Gatekeeper.
0: Over the past year of making this podcast, I've had an amazing opportunity to talk to a lot of incredible people. But along the way, I've often thought, Oh, I wish these two people could talk, or I'd love to hear a conversation between those two people. And it's more than just like a self-deprecating, I'm not a good interviewer type thing. It's more just like, oh, these people have an interesting perspective, and their life and their worldview would add an interesting dimension to this conversation, some better insight, etc. So I wanted to start something and hopefully there will be more, but this is the first uh, comedy roundtable discussion. And for this first one, I wanted to talk with venue directors, artistic directors, producers, people sort of behind the scenes who are making live comedy happen. And so joining me on this episode is Jamie Flam. Jamie Flam. I'm the artistic director at the
2: Hollywood Improv Comedy Club. Troy Conrad. And I'm Troy Conrad, uh, creator co-producer of
3: Setlist, Stand Up Without a Net. And a photographer. And Beth Appel. I'm
1: Beth Appel, the Artistic Director of the Upright Citizens Brigade in Los Angeles.
0: And before you skip this episode, uh, because you're thinking, oh, I'm not a comedy booker or I'm not a performer, I think there's a lot of really great information in here. Definitely, if you're an up-and-coming comedian and you want to sort of understand what happens on the other side, there's a lot of great info. And also, if you're interested in producing your own shows or starting your own venue or doing that kind of work, Obviously, there's a lot there as well, too. But really, anyone who's ever had any creative endeavor, any sort of project that they're working on, I think there's enough interesting advice here that would be valuable to you as well. So I hope you enjoy this comedy roundtable, and I hope there'll be a lot more soon. And so with that, here's our conversation. Welcome to the CISO C-Show. I'm Andrew Steven. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. I I think just to start out, um, maybe tell me what is, what you think the role of a, let's start with you, Beth, uh, what the role of a booker slash artistic director is?
1: Uh, Oh my gosh. Um, I think the role of a booker slash artistic, I don't know what the role of a booker is. I don't, I've never done that. I mean, I guess it's sort of the same thing. I I don't want any bookers out there to come after me. So I'll just speak to artistic directors. I'm willing to have them come <laughs> after me. Um, an artistic director, as far as I am concerned, is someone who is responsible for uh, curating the comedy that goes up at the whatever place they're artistically directing or curating, whether it's comedy or not, the art where they're, Directing and, um, making sure that that's sort of in line with the vision of the venue. And, um, I don't know, I guess I'll throw in that, like keeping people around that are cool versus shitty.
0: Do you, uh, do you get to help shape the vision at all, or do you see it much more as a, or at least in your current position, Sure. do you just try to execute the vision that's already presented to you?
1: No, there's a lot of shaping as well. And I, I would say maybe it's less shaping the vision and more just making everything better. Yeah. Yeah, making that vision clearer and better.
2: It is a, a position that's different for every venue. Um, I think for the Hollywood Improv, as an artistic director... I am executing a vision for other people, but I do have some creativity within that. I think that Beth probably has a lot more sway over uh, what goes on on that stage. Um, my name is Jamie Flam. <laughs> Um
0: What I mean, what do you see
2: your role as? In a perfect world, I think an artist director can uh, not only, you know figure out who goes on the stage but um, is the artistic direction of the entire venue Um, and to the extent that I can I try to do that that means the music that's playing in the bar when people are walking in the morale of the the staff and how they greet people and how they interact with people so that the entire artistic experience of someone a customer and the artist when they get to the venue um, is a certain way and hopefully a good way yeah
1: what is it I'm just curious why uh, why do I have more sway than you
2: Well, the Hollywood Improv is, it's, you know, it's a corporate owned club. It's a, it's an industry club. And so I have to execute at the whims of agents and managers and artists and the long history of this place, which I'm sure you have to deal with as well. Um, You know, you have to appease, sometimes I have to appease comics that I don't particularly enjoy watching. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to book artists that are not my personal taste. Because of their history with the venue, that this place has been here for over 50 years. 50 years? You know more than I do. No, I think that's about right. 50 years. Wait,
3: 45, I'm going to say.
1: I'll jump in and say forty-seven. Hey, all right, we're gonna have no knowledge whatsoever. We'll,
3: we've all got a hundred bucks on this. We're gonna find out after the show. It became a competition. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I get what you're saying. It's it's about you 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 can't just uh, like say, hey, I'm the I'm the person who I'm the gatekeeper of everything, and you have to work with people because th- this is it's like a this is kind of like a living, breathing institution, and everybody is you know part of that respiratory system. It's not just
0: one person ever. You know, do you feel? I mean, I, I don't mean this to be like a, I'm not trying to be Howard Stern or anything and cause a fight. Like, do you, I mean, do you agree though that that you <laughs> might did you
1: lose your virginity? <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: funny.
1: Um, all, all of a sudden, that's the question. That he <laughs> I don't want to be like Howard Stern, but uh... <laughs> this takes a
0: huge <laughs>
3: turn in the yeah. podcast.
0: So, I was wondering, do you feel like you might have more uh, abilities to sort of, you know, uh, push some vision and, 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 put up stuff that you're more into or do you like do you agree with that sentiment that James? was yeah
1: maybe i mean there's definitely i do all of that same stuff as well like there's definitely well one it's important to me that the people who've been around for a long time stick around and you know who are part of the history of the place even though it's much many less years we don't know exactly how many but less <laughs> and um two it's important to me that like Everything at UCB isn't just what I think is funny, like so it should represent a pretty wide swath of comedy um, and a bunch of different styles. so uh, so yeah, there's stuff up there all the time that if I was like planning my own birthday party and having people perform would not be at it. but um, yeah, so yeah, but the, there,
0: there is movies. that stereotype for worse or for better about maybe the the club corporate sure. scene versus the 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 art house you know room yeah scene
2: but i think for, for in either case you you do want to uh, you have an audience that you want to um and you have to sell tickets yeah, yeah. which is is the bigger yeah. aspect and mm-hmm. if you had the exact same thing every night it, it makes it a lot tougher and i think it's it's a realization it took me a couple of years to come up with like uh that oh yeah, I do have to make other people happy. You know, it's not just my taste. This is a place in Los Angeles where there are thousands of people and you want to have entertainment that can mm-hmm. entertain a lot of people. Yeah.
3: It's it's just, it's just really interesting. I'm sure you guys have pretty similar situations. I mean, you probably have had, Beth, times where someone, maybe Matt Besser calls and goes, hey, I got a friend in town. I mean, I, I, he probably doesn't do that, but... That could happen conceivably, right? I mean, you still sure. have to work with people.
1: Yes. Anything at UCB, anything any member of the UCB Four wants to happen. Ha- oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: As a matter so. of fact, I had. So I, I um, produced shows for years at UCB up until last December. And once in a while, I get a call and I say, hey, uh, the, uh, the founding for doing a show on the same your thing. cancel So we got to switch it to another night no problem at all. I totally get that. Like that's, but that's the same thing, Jamie, you're talking about that. Everybody has to work with people. This, there's no such, there's no
0: Island in Los Angeles. Well, and speaking about working with people, Troy coming in as someone who's, you you may not be a formal artistic director of a venue, but you definitely, when you produce your shows and stuff like that, you are all artistic directors in some way. Yeah. Yeah. What is that like working with the other people and the other artistic directors and the people who manage and book these other venues. I mean, I, it's the same
3: story in, in that way. I mean, I have to work with, with people on, on every level and there's always some politics. There's not as, as much because it's, we're talking about one show, not an actual venue where I have to um, work with a million different comics. But my job is always to make really good and interesting shows that are meaningful to me and hopefully meaningful to comics and, and also to book those shows. And I have to be very careful because I, I always want to make sure and sell tickets. I want to make sure that the right people are on, that people know how to play the game. Cause it's not just straight stand up stuff. Um, that's kind of how I see my role is like, it's, uh, it's curating that
0: what what do you look for when you let's let's maybe go around the table what do you look for beth when you're curating like specifically what are some things you look for
1: uh uh i look for things to have interesting hooks and titles marketable things um things that i think are funny that's important um and uh and th- I, I sort of uh, I err on the side of things that are really polished and rehearsed and well honed. Those are my favorite kind of things. I'm less personally excited about weird, gross, messy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when
3: you say polished, you you mean
1: yeah. So in in the improv world, I guess it means someone who is. Uh, not to get too into improv phrases, but like someone who's really good at playing game and good at the mechanics of improv versus someone who's uh, really funny and uh, never makes anyone else look good because they don't don't know how improv works.
0: Number one rule that UCB (laughs) teaches, make your partner look good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. If someone's pitching a show to you or or trying to... to Book something, create something. I mean, do you look for like, a, do you want like a one sheet, a document? Do you want a conversation? Do you want a video and pictures and, and stuff like that? Is there there's Are there specific assets that you're looking at?
1: Uh, it varies by the thing the person is pitching. If they're pitching a show that's gone up before, then I'll usually ask for a video of it uh, at some sort of reputable venue. And then the implied thing is like, the, and also the audience likes it. Um, don't send a video of your <laughs> show bombing and then think that it will be at UCB. Um, if it's just a script, there's a whole process uh, that people can submit through where they have to fill out a form and send in the script. And then um, it's called Spanks. We have them, we have two Spanks a week and people can audition their shows for runs at the theater. Uh, and then for the more established performers, I'll meet with them and talk through their ideas sometimes. Uh, it's There's like... 10 different ways yeah. for people to pitch shows.
0: What about you, Jamie, here at The Improv? As far as booking just stand-ups? Just in general.
2: Um, in general, I think uniqueness is the biggest thing, especially in stand-up. Uh, there's so many comics, but so many people have the same voice. So uh, to me, someone that stands out and they, they have something unique to say, they have a point of view, which I think you can take for granted in stand-up that not everyone has a a good st- point of view. And I think, if you, you know, I think you have to do stand up for a good five or 10 years before you're even close to that. Um, but 75% of the veils I get are from, you know, white males that are talking about, uh, uh, you know, broing out in the, cl- <laughs> the club. And, and when someone just is like, Hey, I'd like to pitch a show. I'm like, I need something that's a good and something that's B will get butts in seats. That's the magical formula.
3: And that's, um, that comes down to the producer too. Like they have to make that all possible
2: and then they can bring it to you because then it makes it easier for you to make that possible. That's kind of how it works. And I should also say someone that cares about their show. Yeah. I th- I think people yeah. are, you know, here in LA and they want to make it and they think they see UCB and the improv or set list as a way to, you know, just further their career. And there's nothing wrong with that. But so many pe- people, I feel, pitch a show just because they feel that's the next step that they're supposed to do versus a show that they have all the passion in the world for. And I've had tons of meetings with people. and I'm like, is this the show that you want to do? Is this the show that you will love? Is this the show that you will tell every single person and the barista at Starbucks about the show because you're so excited about it? Because if it's not, then, you know, go back to the drawing board. So I think passion yeah. You want to do the show because you have to do the show. It's a good measurement.
1: We'll have submissions. We have submissions every six months to do shows at uh, the Inner Sanctum, which is our open mic space. And it's jams and it's all free shows. And in the last round, a couple of people submitted like 10 ideas. And... I did not pick even one of those people's ideas. And then there were people that submitted like three and you know, that's some more manageable. Like I can tell that they care about those three ideas. And then there were people that submitted one that were clearly, there were like funny ideas that they clearly really cared about.
3: That's a really, that's a really important yeah. thing. It's funny how people think of uh, pitching. It, it can be such an intimidating thing. If you think of it as, Oh, I got to go into this network and pitch. Like, no, it doesn't start. You don't start by walking into NBC and pitching a show. You, you, you have to develop shows. You have to pitch them to, you know, small venues, and then eventually larger venues. That's uh, so. But like it's now not- I'm
1: learning why my TV show didn't go.
3: <laughs> right,
1: oh, right, right. Went you, right into NBC.
3: You get all. Oh, really? You <laughs> yeah. did? You started just, off?
1: Yeah, I just jump right in, walk into the building
0: no appointment, knock on the door. But even so, like (laughs) we pitch to our friends, we pitch to colleagues, you know, like bounce it off. Hey, is this a good idea? And then maybe you have that one or two people that you can really confide into. And then you bring it to a small, smaller independent theater. And then maybe you get on a more institutionalized theater and so on and so forth. I,
3: I used to, um, when I was starting out making shows, I would actually, uh, I would actually just call theaters in North Hollywood and say, Hey, you know, uh, how much is it to rent a theater and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'd, you know, I'd go in and I'd check it out. I'd watch some shows there. I'd see what's it like on a slow night. I mean, does anybody even know about this place? Is, can you get to it? And I, I would always make sure it was an okay venue, but those aren't, those are accessible. Like yeah. you don't have to only go through the, the main clubs in UCB and nerd mel- Like you can actually do a lot more than, than, you know, with comedy. And, and I actually used a thing called gold star, which I'm sure Everybody knows Gold Star. It's it's like uh, for people listening, it's an online ticket thing where um, uh, producers and event planners and stuff, they put their events on it and they offer discount tickets to these subscribers. And it's great. Uh, I was able to fill up shows and that was like, because if you do a show at the Improv at UCB, you're getting attention from that audience that's already there. But you learn really well if you do your own venue, uh, you have to promote it 100%. And that puts a lot of responsibility. But that's that's a great way to start, because then you know what it's like to take responsibility for everything. You're responsible for the size of the audience. No one else is, which is true for everywhere else, too. It's just people don't think that way.
0: Why don't make sense? Yeah. Why? I think completely makes sense. Um, Why don't people think that way? I mean, uh, entitlement. It's entitlement people think uh, i i'm
3: supposed to what i'm supposed to have people here like there's always a reason and that's to me that is the 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 entitlement is the precursor to bitterness like eventually you just find yourself bitter and wondering what happened because you've been expecting that you deserve these things automatically maybe because you did a lot of hard work you go "I, i did all this work i'm entitled like no you're not entitled to anything you just keep working for it.
1: I agree. That's like one of my number one least favorite things is when people feel that they deserve to be on a team or to have a show. That's really frustrating to
3: Right. Me. And they get upset like, the, like yeah. the getting upset part like oh yeah I can't believe. I, I hear this all the time and the thing is you figure out like everyone's like some of the people that will complain to me about something they're saying the same thing about me to the next person. Like uh, and I've heard people say about even about set lists like, oh, yeah, it just takes forever to get on and it takes so long to get to get it. Well, it, it, it's one show. Uh, but in addition to that, there's a lot of good comics out here. And, you know, anybody booking is being bombarded. You you can't just like you can't feel entitled. Be persistent, but not entitled. I could talk about entitlement for. I was <laughs> gonna say for you, guys to
0: the, to you have a of podcast, of and at the end of it every week, you say uh, like, "Work hard, be undeniable, and be cool as fuck."
2: Yeah, I think that
0: being cool as fuck
2: is an underrated, because I'm sure you know, and there's I know there's hundreds of people that audition to be on a Herald team now.
1: Yes, right between six and seven hundred this what? year. Yeah, for how many spots? Um, this year there were there ended up being eighteen spots, so I think wow. somewhere around two or 3% of people got on.
0: And I'm sure that and for people listening real quick, who a Herald team is the, it's their improv. Everyone
1: knows everyone in the world knows what a Herald team is. <laughs> uh, they're the house, uh, some of the house improv teams. At and
0: then UCB. what about how many people for mod teams, which are the house sketch groups,
1: um, mod teams, uh, some also somewhere in the Similar number hundreds. In. And then, so thousands yeah. of people. Yeah. And then maybe wow. less spots. I mean, there's eight people on every Herald team, uh, eight, performers in every Herald team. And there's six actors on every mod team and six writers. Yeah. So.
2: And I'm sure that when you're, you know, deciding who these 18 of 700 people are, there's a lot more than talent that just goes into it because there's so much talent. I'm sure. I'm sure there's over a hundred or more people that are just like, yes, they're undeniably great. And they would be great on our stage. So when you have to pick those 18 spots and for me, when I have those, you know, handful of spots every week, 100% of the time I'm going to go to the people that are talented and cool yeah, and nice and good human yeah, beings. Yeah. And if you've shown entitlement and I get
0: entitlement, I've, I've been a performer. And so, I mean, you even said earlier, if I, I've been around for a long time, I know what funny is. If yeah. I laugh, I book you. I mean, in a sense that is entitlement. Yeah, no, and and so I empathize. I didn't mean to bombard you. I'm not Howard Stern, remember?
2: No, I mean, I came, I'm in LA to, you know, make my dreams come true as well. So I I understand and I've worked very hard. Um, I literally, um, I did pitch to a network for the first time uh, two days ago with Vanessa. And I literally, I checked my email right before I walked in here. And it was, uh, we we, uh, regret to inform you that we will not be, uh, we're not interested in any of your ideas right now, but good luck
1: dude uh, that's great did you, you write it. back but i deserved that yeah fuck you <laughs> did you not understand you? that i deserve
2: no that? no 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 no! Yeah. i don't think you saw much worked. um <laughs> but i no one in this town no one in the world owes anyone anything and i think as soon as you feel that like someone owes you something all you can do is work hard and be cool as fuck and and good things will happen i think 99% of the time if you if you are those things but if i can sniff entitlement if I get an email from someone, and I've gotten dozens of emails from, from standups, you know, telling me like this bullshit or people mm. walking in and they look at the lineup and like, like, what the fuck? I'm, oh, I'm better no. than all these people. Oh my God. You just shot yourself in the foot.
1: Ugh. I also wonder, like, I don't know if this is as much of a thing, uh, for your experiences, but there are people who've been sort of knocked around a little bit, like had a rough time coming up, like maybe not made it immediately, been around for years And for me, I think those people have a little bit harder of a path like and they're the ones that really have to like they almost have to be even cooler than Mm -hmm. the new people that are coming up that that came up in a little bit easier of a way. And I think that's where the bitterness comes in. And so if one of those people, you know, if someone's auditioned for a team six times and is still cool, that's like really cool. Yeah. It's like the coolest
3: person. <laughs> I, I, uh, when we talk about being cool though, is that we should define what that is because like everyone has different things. Like, like leather for me, jackets, sunglasses, leather sunglasses, like, sunglasses, like, like jacket, sunglasses, like maybe like an accent of some kind. Just hey, just Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that has to be, <laughs> that's my very clear definition. I think for me, it's, um, a, a great example. Uh, uh, recent show, There was there was a guy who was on the show and by the way, fantastic performer, the kind of performer you want on your show, kind of performer who not only uh, does a good job, certainly with the improvised format on set list, but also um, people come to see him. And what happened was while he's in uh, in the green room, somebody one of the other performers walks out. He's talking about that person. Oh. And then that person comes back and everybody's uh, hanging out. And then like 20 minutes later, someone else leaves like, yeah, did you hear about uh, his thing? Like, Who does that? That for me, that was, uh, and by the way, I have to operate the show from that green room. So I, I'm in there and I'm like in the background hearing this and I'm like, oh, come on, man. This is awful. Because you know that that person is going to talk about you when you leave. Yeah. Like, how is anyone enjoying this? Because everyone else seems to be, like, actually listening and enjoying do And uh, I, don't, I won't have that person back because that, to me, is part of being cool. Like, don't talk about people. Like, because that's just another useless form of complaining. And when you're complaining, you are basically saying that that leads to that entitlement, right? So you're basically saying, hey, I don't really want to have to do all this extra work. I'm just going to complain about it loudly. And then other people will be like, yeah, how come... That person's not getting all the things they deserve,
2: you know? Maybe my definition of cool is low-maintenance. Yeah. Is what? Low-maintenance. Oh, yeah. Meaning... Self, uh, self-contained, self ready to go, has their shit together. Yeah, and that goes for performers, producers. You know, there's certain producers, and, and I guess, I mean, there's certain producers that are so in love with their show, and so they're saying all these emails because they they're, they're, they care and they want to make sure the tech is right. and So maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily that kind of low-maintenance, but just... Just be cool, show up, do your job, be nice to everyone, and that's it, and deliver.
1: I actually find the people who email a bunch about the tech and stuff, that is low maintenance to me as well, because that means that that's they're a good thinking about it in advance, right. and they're not going to show up the day of their show and have a huge issue. You
0: don't have that cable? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I- and I think, too, like being cool is all the stuff that we might have mocked at. In our younger selves, but like caring and like thinking about other people's oh, experiences. Yeah. It's
1: exactly the opposite of what I thought was cool for my entire life.
3: That's a really, really great point. You wouldn't make You can't you can't make it five minutes in this town without having all those qualities you're talking about. Yeah.
1: It's not really fair because no one gets rewarded for that when they're in like middle school and high school. And then oh, when right. you become an adult, you have to shift. And then that's what that's what you have to do. Yeah. Our world is messed up. It's really
2: messed it up. It is a little bit backwards, yeah. you know? And also to understand social cues or <laughs> like <laughs> to understand like every booker is different, but, um, you know, what's professionally pushy to one booker, it could be completely different for another. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, certainly every six months, like a quick, Hey, you know, I just I'd love to get back. It's been a while. That's great. Yeah. But knowing, you know, if you, if you don't hear anything back, you know, maybe, you know hold off or you know be able to just read the response and then act accordingly. Um,
0: so there's a spider on your mic. Uh-huh.
1: <gasps> oh my god! Oh, that
3: was uh, dude, that brought that spider. That's just actually for my, is a my pet. Halloween.
1: Yeah. I can't Ooh. sleep
3: without that th- therapy spider.
1: <laughs> I, was, I
0: just saw it
3: going um, up and down uh, and up and down. By the way, a small spider would not freak me <laughs> out at all. I grew up in Arizona with uh, giant, scary spiders that will murder you at night. Uh, so, <laughs>
1: well, you just threw that spider right in the trash can. <laughs> I you did. Thank you did. for taking. Thank, thank you very
0: much. Those most sneeze quietest sneeze ever. <laughs> By the way, Andrew, you have a tarantula on your. Um, <laughs> so I want to circle back, sorry, yeah. uh, to talk a, a little bit more. I mean, even now to, to toot your horn—that's the weirdest phrase. I it don't know why. I've thing, said it I like don't five you times.
1: You can't toot someone else's horn. You can only yeah, toot your own
0: horn. Not these days with germs. Um <laughs> One of the reasons Troy, I wanted you on, and I was looking at a list of potential people for this, is this idea of you're someone, like you said, who's put in the hard work and you are cool and you do have a reputation oh, for being nice and a thank good person. You very much. Just talking about the, the opposite of entitlement is this hardworking, this good work ethic. Like how important is that work ethic?
3: Well, I, I think I have uh, I don't I don't have a great work ethic and so I overcompensate for it by working harder. I don't know. And I don't mean that as a joke. I mean that for real. Like I, I don't think I have just a, um, I don't have the right kind of whatever uh, OCD or focus or whatever that I just automatically have it work. And I feel terrible about that. And then that drives me to work harder. I know it's weird, but that's the roundabout way I do it. So you got to have one or the other. The important thing is be putting in the hours. Mm-hmm. I, I, one thing I ask a lot of comics is what what are three things you did this week for your career that you didn't do the week before? And if you ask them that, they don't always have an answer. But if you ask that enough, and we should all ask that of ourselves, you start going, oh my God, wait, am I just, am I overlooking how important that is? And you start, maybe you feel bad about it and then that makes you work harder.
1: I do feel like every time I talk to someone or I feel this way about myself, who is who I know to be like a very hard worker and have a lot of work ethic they never think they're doing anything. They're like, Oh, I'm not doing anything. they always done feel like, like that. They're, they do things. That's what, that's what, what you're talking
3: about is what drives me. Yeah. I wake up in the morning and I feel like I've done nothing. And Jamie and I have, we, uh, we meet monthly and we go over our goals and what we did last 30 days. what We're going to do goals for the next 30 days. And we talk about this all the time, right? We don't, we don't feel like we did anything, but when we read this, when you put it on paper, you go, you're forced to go. Okay. I actually did quite a bit. Yeah. Like you want to nap after you see how much stuff that you actually did, but you'll never ever know that unless you write it down because, and,
2: and read it to someone else because that's sort of that reflection back to you. One of the most inspiring things is, is, you know, tracking everything you do. If you, if you did work out even three times, uh, if you went and if you had four meetings and had four copies with a potential artistic creative partners or agents or managers count everything. Cause when you really put that down, you're like, I did, you know, 50 things for myself, um, and my career this month.
1: I think the, uh, maybe the flip side of that is like do the exact opposite. Don't count everything. Like, I think that. There are people that should count everything and then there are people that are like, I'm working so hard, but they like, maybe they did three shows, but they didn't prepare at all for any of them Mm -hmm. or record what they did and they're not going to revisit it. That's a good point. Like that, that kind of work to me is like, you're wasting your time. Oh, it ended up being meaner than I thought it (laughs) was. No, I think
0: it's a, it's a, it's a, it comes back to entitlement. It's a different type of entitlement. Like you can use. Like you can look like, here's this list of things I did, you know, I should be important. I should get it. Or you can be like, I didn't do anything and look how great I am. Like anything can be used as an entitlement. And it comes back to just sort of like, don't take yourself too seriously. Working hard. But take your work seriously.
1: Yeah. Going back
2: to work ethic. I don't think I have a good work ethic.
0: Either uh, <laughs>
2: we're we're terrible.
3: Wait, where do you weigh in on this? Uh, you you feel like you do have a good work ethic? No,
1: I don't. You I don't, think you... I when I think about myself, I picture myself as extremely lazy. With okay,
3: so all th- so all of us feel this way. What yeah. is the can
0: can maybe you describe the difference between what you perceive work ethic and just working hard? Is well,
2: I see people, and I'm sure we all know people that like you said this, the people like, I'm not doing anything. And it's like people that are at this point luminaries and they're on five different TV shows and doing I have like three meetings on the screenplay and they're doing everything. Um, the difference I think, and what makes it probably work for us is that we're driven by deadlines, at least for myself. Um, I'm in a job where there's every night there's shows. And so, and, and I have a, you know, Writing partner who demands a lot of me, so but without those deadlines, I would be getting nothing done. I feel like That's so. I a think, great way to put it, yeah, it's huge. Luckily, we live we have positions that are forcing us to,
0: but do you can stuff. also yeah. put deadlines on your own work, too. Can you? How, how do you do can't. that? And enforce it's it, very difficult to do. You people. Have to
1: work with other, people. yeah, you throw I your hat had over exact the same fence. Same thing, like I'm working with someone on it. a project now who was basically like, I'm gonna make this happen because he knew that I would not, uh, yeah. 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 You have to have yeah. accountability.
0: Inciting, you need an inciting incident. <laughs> wait, wait, say that again. Inciting incident. What is an inciting incident? It's a place in a, in a no, no, story I mean, where that what you're asking, no, I'm saying you need an inciting oh, incident. You need well, a, lot. you need to create a moment in a story where you can't go back. You right. know, the bridge is out, but you've passed the point of no return. You've thrown your hat over the wall and you have to go get it. You tell someone I'm going to do this on this date at this time. And they're going to judge you if you don't.
1: Yeah. Oh, I still won't do it in that case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to have Put your some, hat. My hat. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I, I feel like I always have to have some level of accountability. Um, and, uh, and that's hard uh, for, for two years, I had uh, an assistant who was, was really fantastic at, uh, at keeping me accountable for stuff. Like that was sort of part of her job. And, um, and, and then I had a while without an assistant, and, but that is a, a big, important thing for me. Cause I, that helps me get so much more done exponentially more done than I would get done just by myself. Um, and I have assistant now Cody, who's amazing. And he keeps me accountable on stuff. And I, I just, just finding like, if I CC him on an email or something and he follows up with me to make sure that things don't fall through the cracks, that's huge for me. Like I gotta have some level of that. Um, because if I leave it all to my own head, it starts to fall apart. How can you tell work ethic or a hard
0: worker in someone else?
3: I'll give a great example. Uh, Sammy Obeyed. Sammy is a great comic. Uh, he's not super famous yet. I know he's gotten on. He's gotten on one of the late night shows. He uh, he was super unentitled person, super humble, worked hard, um, and he did a thing where he did three. I think it was like three five hundred open mics in a year or something like that. Like he, I don't know what the number is, but it was a lot. Maybe he did like three a day or something for almost a year.
1: Oh my gosh.
3: Can you imagine? And, and in LA where it's even harder to do that, like in, than in New York, um, he still did it and he kept on it. Like that is a work ethic. And he he's the exact right kind of person. Like he'll write to me once in a while. Hey, just reminding you about getting on a show, blah, blah, blah. But he's never pushy. And I know what he can do. I know his work ethic. I know he's not going to disappoint. So he gets to, you know, I, I get to put him on shows and I never have to worry about it. I, to me, someone who's doing something outside of like, yeah, I just go to the same three open mics every week and blah, blah, blah. Like, ah, that's not,
2: that's not cutting it. Yeah. There's, there are headlining comics that will show up to our open mic. It's an open mic and it, it's just so they can work out three minutes, but they, they want to be working on their craft constantly. Like that's work ethic to me. Someone that is on the road doing theaters for 10,000 people doing a room of comics on a Tuesday afternoon at five 45 is that's work ethic. When
3: I was in Edinburgh, uh, you have to flyer in Edinburgh. We do sell every year. If you don't flyer and have a team flyering, you're, you're going to lose. I walked by Bo Burnham, outside flyering. Bo Burnham sells out. He was selling out whatever, maybe 600 seats a night. He's in the middle of a busy mall area handing out flyers. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, Hey, you got to work. That's a work ethic. And and that's also not being entitled. Like we're talking Mm -hmm. about.
1: Um, I also judge it by, uh, uh, people improving and like making their material better. Um, so if if a show is running a UCB, like a written show, and I go to one performance and a couple jokes don't hit and then I go to another performance and it has those same jokes in it, that is not good. Uh, but when I there are certain performers and writers who I know would never let that happen, you know, if a joke doesn't hit, they're going to definitely rewrite it. So I think that's important to me too seeing people improve yeah same with improv um just seeing i don't want to see someone make the same mistake in show after show not that they're i guess you know they, yeah there are mistakes in improv there are bad things there are things that you could do wrong in improv um so yeah to see people improve is a oh. sign to me that they have a good workout
0: what else do you all look for in uh, when you, whether it's looking so, someone to fill your show or, or be on your stage. So if, if you, th- these days, if you have an agent now,
3: I hear people complain about agents and they go, yeah, my agent just hasn't gotten me anything. And I think that's such a, um, a strange direction because that you did maybe like 15, 20 years ago, or whatever, that was definitely the case. Like your agent did have to do most of the work because they have the connections and they do, but that's in the world's not like that anymore. Now, if you have an agent, Uh, You make you get the work by doing what you do best and putting it out there. And the agent sort of facilitates that. uh, uh, But they're not going to help you if you're not helping yourself. If you're not as we talk about choosing yourself. Seth Godin talks a lot about this great author. Um, So I, I look for people who are choosing themselves. Maybe they made their own project. Samuel Bade. He didn't wait for anyone. He went to shows that he could that he could always get on. Some of them weren't all of mics, but he always made sure he was creating his own thing with his, whatever, 300 things and 300 things. That is huge for me.
2: Bright colors. Bright colors attract an audience. Your eyes are drawn to it. <laughs> we needed some comic relief. Really. Right. <laughs> Andrew, uh, uh, how many people have you had sex with? Let's
3: turn it back into the Howard <laughs> <Park> Show. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't answer that
0: <laughs> What makes you laugh in a broad sense? What makes me laugh in a broad sense?
2: Silliness, more than ever authenticity, I think that's what I can detect quicker um, than ever before is is when someone is in the same way as like, are they passionate about their show? are they passionate about what they're saying on stage? I can tell when someone someone has something to say and when it's coming from their heart, and stand-up, and I'm sure in, in improv too, it's when you see uh, humanity. When you this, Usually, to me, the funniest moments are when I see that that stand-up break from them just doing their routine jokes and interact with the audience or react to something that's happened around them because you, you get a peek mm-hmm. into their own soul. And so the comics that are, are open to that versus the ones that are just going up and reciting, here's my, you know, 10 minutes of jokes that I just do every single night, you know, they're very rote, so that's what I, I like is, is, is seeing people. When I, I already said it, never mind. I think there's a good soundbite there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You'll find it. Just search through that. I think. Yeah, I would. I agree. I think I already also said like what I look for in shows, but to add on to that, um, I yeah, I want to know what someone's point of view is when they're performing, and I also wanted to make me laugh. And then I want it to make me feel other emotions too. That's great. And then yeah. you can laugh harder, you know, after you've felt a little bit of sadness or a little bit of, you know, some other emotion, you can get back to laughing and then it's even more
3: mm-hmm.
1: more funnier.
0: Thanks again. Uh, Beth you have an improv show every week can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that
1: Uh, Well, I'll say that Cardinal Redbird is every Tuesday at 11 p.m. It's an improv show. It's at UCB Franklin.
0: And is there anything else you'd like to plug?
1: Um, And that's that's it. I'm all over the place. Go to UCB. There's uh, UCB Franklin, UCB Sunset, The Inner Sanctum with all free shows, many shows a night. UCB Chelsea and UCB East in New York City.
0: And that's UCBtheater.com.
1: Yes. What's
0: up? R-E spelling
1: I think it'll correct it If you do the wrong one okay. I think it'll redirect But I'm not Don't quote me on that
0: And the UCB show
1: Gotta plug the UCB yeah. show on So Season 2 is coming out Oh yeah mm-hmm. Yeah It's super funny There's a lot of awesome stuff
0: And Troy What do what do people need to know about you? The set list of course uh, People can just Google
3: the Set list comedy uh, prompter, it's, a, it's a TED Talks improvised from broken teleprompter, and uh, comics who are taking their career seriously. Uh, they can uh, shoot with me because I do photography, and I get comics more than just uh, headshots because that's that's a thing for a casting director. I do stuff that gets uh, that's for press website, dating social profiles, media. dating profiles. I'm sure that's but that's an important thing. If you and if you can't uh, go with me, get real pictures. Just. Find somebody then that does that, Find a friend with a good camera and has some lights, and get good pictures because it's more important than you think. Do you have a Twitter website? Or uh, yeah, I'm, I mean I'm Troy Conrad on everything, but on on Instagram I'm Troy Conrad's, and that's probably where I post most of the cool stuff and photography. So Troy Conrad's on Instagram.
2: Thanks, Jamie. I'll plug the Hollywood Improv Comedy Club here on that. Melrose. Uh, and I got a, two podcasts. One is called Gatekeeper, where I talk very much like this uh, about the stuff, um, about the decision makers in the world of comedy and beyond, about how they make their choices. And the Long Shot podcast, which is on the All Things Comedy Network.
0: I I think that's it, unless there's...
1: Well,
3: the, uh, yeah, everyone should subscribe to CISO. $3.99 a month. You get two months free with the promo code back to school.
1: You didn't true. even need to do I that. Know.
3: Well, that's because I did the uh, pictures for that promoter Oh yeah, that's hmm. right. So there you go. Back to school, you get two months instead of one. Yeah, month if photo.
0: you follow CISO on Instagram and you see the yearbook photos, those are all taken by. Oh
3: Trump. yeah, yeah. There's yearbook photos. Yeah, we we got uh, Dan Harmon, Scott Ackerman, uh, John
0: Dor, John Dor, a whole bunch of people. Awesome. Thanks everybody.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us. It was
0: great. And thank you for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more of these roundtables, you can tweet us at CISO Show. that's S-E-E-S-O-show, with any ideas or recommendations of who you'd like to hear talk on them. You can also follow that Twitter, too, if you want to. Anyway, I hope you all have a great week, and take care.